Hey, Kerbis! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License Flight Number 63 with service to Sunset Arms Boarding House of 4040 Vine Street, Hillwood, Washington. We ask that you please fasten your headphones, secure your podcasting device, and remember, if you see someone with a football head on the flight, don't bring it up. They know, and they don't need to be reminded. <laughs> Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Rich Inman and Max Singer. How are you boys doing today? I'm fantastic. I got my lucky banana shoes on, and I'm ready to record a podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, re- I'm catching a game down at Old Quigley Field <laughs> oh, uh, my God. this weekend. Well, boys, this week we are diving into the world of Hey Arnold. Uh, a Nickelodeon classic for sure that I'm very excited to talk about in more depth. Uh, but before we do so, Max, do you mind telling folks what this podcast is all about? Here at TV Pilots License, we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of some of TV's most famous, or in some cases, infamous shows. We learn a little bit more about how these shows came to be and were originally made, if they're effective pilot episodes and making us want to watch more, and if we think they could be made today. Go back and stream our other episodes wherever you get podcasts from. Check us out on YouTube to see our football heads. And if it is your first time flying with us, then welcome aboard. And Rich, what is your question of the week? Perfect episode for football season. Um, I would say (laughs) I want to know. Because obviously Arnold is loose vibes on the pod today. (laughs) Because obviously Arnold is a football-shaped head weirdo, and so is everyone else in Hey Arnold. I don't think anyone has a normal-shaped uh, head. Uh, everyone either looks like a bong or a fruit or a, a, a sporting good equipment thing. Um, I want to know if you could choose a different shape for your head, what would you choose? Max, I'm curious. What would you choose? I'm a, I'm a pretty, like oval-headed individual. <laughs> this is a good segment. Check us out on YouTube if you're currently listening <laughs> to an audio format. Um, like, I'm a pretty, like, log, oval-headed individual, and I want to get, like, a real, like, Charlie Brown perfect sphere kind of vibe yeah. going about my head. I want to go absolute basketball-headed. Um, I-, I think, like, I, I don't know. I, I think like front-facing snapbacks and beanies would look a lot better on yeah. me if I had a real round head. Yeah, you you could actually be act the real representation of every emoji if you did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rich, I literally, when you asked that question, I pulled up just a chart of shapes because I was like, "What is, <laughs> what is the best shape?" Uh, and it will be congratulations on, on being a, congratulations on being a two year old. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Kerb Jeff Kerbis took a thirty milligram edible and started googling what is the best shape. <laughs> Um, and I have decided that, you know, Max, I enjoy wearing a hat here and there as well. Uh, but I really think a solid rectangle head would look fairly solid. Um, now, now I mean, true rectangle, (laughs) uh, a rectangle can be, uh, or a square can be a rectangle, but not all rectangles can be squares in this instance. I want a rectangle that is not a square. Um, <laughs> Rich, what about you? Are you are you thinking like eyes at the corners of the rectangle? Because yeah. like, what would your what would your peripheral vision? What if be they were that? on either side? What if I just decided? <laughs> oh man, like a real flat fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just pull it up to the function like a sunfish. I can never have an eye to eye conversation with anyone. That is my that is my goal. Embrace my social anxiety with my shape of head. <laughs> incredible um i think for mine this feels like an all fantasy everything episode um i think i'm going uh geodesic dome i think i'm going mid i'm going mid-century modern with my brain oh my god (laughs) i think it's one of the strongest uh one of the strongest structures in nature uh i think uh i think if if bees could build honeycombs uh with with that type of structure i think i that would be totally sufficient for my head plus uh, if i wore a cowboy hat it'd look real fun what if i just said volcano like just just I just want like a pit in the center. Uh, those are some of our favorite shapes. Uh, Julio Torres, come on the pod. <laughs> uh, if you're a fan of the podcast on the Spotify quiz, uh, put the name of your favorite shape down there. Oh my god! 
But well, make sure to take a 30 milligram edible first. Rich, thanks so much. <laughs> uh, if it's legal. Uh, and thanks so much for uh, that question of the week. Before we dive into Hey Arnold, a few uh, quick words from our sponsors. Welcome hey, back. sponsors. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks so much, Rich, for being our sponsor. Welcome back. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Hey Arnold. Uh, with a quick synopsis to start, fourth grader Arnold Shortman lives with his grandparents in an inner city boarding house. That's it. I That's did not the... know his last name. That's so funny. <laughs> that That is his, uh, that, yeah, that is, what a synopsis. Max, what did we build off of this? <laughs> Today, we are talking about the pilot episode of Hey Arnold. Uh, it's two segments, Downtown as Fruits and Eugene's Bike, which originally aired on October 7th, 1996. And we're going to dive in and learn a little bit more about the show's creator, Craig Bartlett. Uh, so Bartlett, born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, he begins his career in animation, working in stop motion with the studio in Portland, Oregon, before moving to L.A. in 1987 to work on claymation segments for Pee Wee's Playhouse. Other early gigs of Bartlett's include animating the music video for Weird Al's Jurassic Park and what? working as a story editor on Rugrats. That fucking rules. Uh, through his, yeah, this is honestly like one of the coolest dudes we've talked about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this dude fucking rips. Um, through, <laughs> through his work on Rugrats, Bartlett and some of the other editors have an opportunity to pitch Nickelodeon executives on a series of their own. Uh, the series that Bartlett pitches was inspired by shorts he did for Pee Wee's Playhouse centered around two characters named Penny and Arnold. Despite intending to pitch a show around Penny, execs were interested in the minor Arnold character, the described reluctant hero who keeps finding himself responsible for solving something, as said by Bartlett himself. A pilot of the show, at this point just titled Arnold, was produced in 1994, and a year later was ordered to series by Nickelodeon. The original 10-ish minute pilot was actually attached as an animated short with Nick's first feature film, Harriet the Spy, and released in theaters on July 10th, 1986, that pilot is available online for those willing to do a little bit of digging. The show is actually really notable for being the first Nicktoon to actually feature children as the voices of its kid characters, and the oh. roles were actually recast multiple times over the course of its run, with one exception. Any guesses? Ooh. Oh, uh, Gerald. Correct. Yeah, Jameel Walker-Smith, the voice of Gerald, did stay on for the entire run of the show. Wow. And yes, uh, you may have been a little confused by Jeff's flight destination at the top of the episode. We are not in Brooklyn. This is one of the hottest takes about Hey Arnold. But <laughs> as said by as said by Craig Bartlett himself, the town is the fictional Hillwood, Washington. It's an amalgamation of Seattle, Portland, and Brooklyn that takes geographic landmarks and architectural styles from all three. There is a season three episode, apparently, where Helga and her mom, Helga's a character we'll get to know in the show, for those who are, you know, not caught up with us. Yeah, thank uh, you so much for tuning in before you watch Hey Arnold. <laughs> they go on a road trip to South Dakota, and when they're in the car, they pass a state line sign saying, Welcome to Washington State. Uh, but yeah, to many people, this show is New York City. If you think I'm full of shit and you just turned off this episode... You have it in your power, but I would encourage you to come back because we're going to teach you a lot more fun things today. Please yeah, give jokes. us another chance. If I pissed you off, give me another chance. <laughs> joke's on you. We already got your impression and your listen. Thanks, Spotify. <laughs> so, wait. Okay. So, based on that description of the of Gerald being the only person played by an adult, that means there is a sound booth full of, like, what, seven children and one old guy or one older guy? Well, no, no, no. He was a he was a kid. Mm -hmm. He's just the only person who didn't get replaced. Like actors would hit puberty and they can't uh, voice it's elementary school anymore. Different. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Because Gerald sounds. I mean, we'll, I guess we'll get into it a little bit. But uh, Gerald sounds older. There's so, no. I don't. I don't know. Like what the age of the performer was when they recorded this, but he sounds markedly older. For our audience, this is a new segment where we explain puberty to Rich. So, Rich, <laughs> there's a time in your I life. I know, I'm 18. Because you're 18 and, you know, late bloomer. It's okay. Uh, topics we've covered so far today. Shapes. Puberty. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Max, like thank you so much. Review. Thanks so much for that background. Um, I'm curious, did either of you, I actually, before watching this, 
uh, the pilot episode that we are going to be talking about today, I went ahead and watched this pilot that debuted um, before Harriet the Spy. And I was curious if either of you got a chance to check it out. And what were your thoughts of it as a whole as like really this proof of concept, but also something that I found really intriguing? Oh, I didn't know if you had anything, Rich. Oh, okay. Uh, I actually did not see it, um, so I'm super excited to be the audience surrogate for this one. I, I'm <laughs> excited to explain it to me. I think what the proof of concept short does that like kind of carries through into the series too is it uses like dream sequences to mm-hmm. really set up who Arnold is a protagonist. It's it's such a grounded show, and compared to modern animation it's so low stimulus and it's Mm -hmm. so calm and it's so real and natural and so i like that it takes these moments up top to play with imagination and to get a little fantastical to like give you those like goofy cartoon moments before really getting grounded um i don't know i feel like it's a pretty well fleshed out concept compared to what we saw with the actual pilot that came out two years later um, but yeah, I, I think it sets it up well. And I think like the main tone of it is so evident from the short to what we're going to talk about. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that it does a very good job of is it's a very simple story uh, that, you know, if you are a parent going to see Harriet the Spy with your child, uh, then you're like, oh, I can buy into the story. And if you're a child, it's a story that you're rooting for Arnold of, hey, Arnold, uh mistakenly gets into a situation where bully Harold wants to beat the crap out of him. Uh, and now he has to psych himself up for a fight. Um, just a few things that I genuinely loved in this little short before we get into our main pilot. One, they automatically set up the grandparents as these are the most insane people that should not be raising oh, children by any means whatsoever. <laughs> um, the second thing is there's a moment where Helga gets a bullhorn and she tells Arnold every minute, like at midnight, how close he is to getting his ass whooped (laughs) and then places an ad in the newspaper and on the radio. And I want to (laughs) know Helga is going to be ruling the world one day. That is my instant thought. Also a big fan of Arnold going through the process of what if I just act crazy to scare off my bullies, Uh, which is a a logical thing that one could do. Yeah, that's uh, I I feel like kids would be well served to learn that young. It's like you don't want to be the bigger person in the fight. You want to be the person that's less afraid to die. Yeah, it's uh, it's <laughs> in in all honesty, if you aren't familiar with this um, short, highly recommend finding it and watching. So, it. would you say it does a good job of like just uh, keeping the same? Because the the intro and and theme song of Hey Arnold, like that whole thing is like kind of like New York noir like looking almost it's very like it's very muted tones it's very like yeah we're in a city that's kind of grungy like we're gonna play in that space it still keeps that same kind of feel to it yeah max like i am of the mindset that i think it does a really solid job of having the same tone having the same feel like they're literally playing baseball in uh the backyard of like their school that is just not even a grass it's a yeah like it's a regular lot right yeah um and it does have that feel of not new york uh but you know good old hillwood washington that we grew to love when we were watching hey arnold as kids but rich you talked a little bit about like the intro tone too and i feel like for people of a certain age this theme song and music is is definitely going to resonate with you and i don't know being a little bit older now i think about a lot of like the music that I like from like the early to mid nineties as well. And I think about a lot of that, like very jazzy New York hip hop that was coming mm-hmm. out this time mm-hmm. with groups like De La Soul and Tribe, Tribe Called, Called Quest. Quest. And it's like, there's so much like that I can imagine like De La rapping over the Hey Arnold theme song. Yep. And it wouldn't feel out of place on a record that was coming out in the mid nineties. And so it's like, okay, you can kind of see like that, city feel in here and like what this amalgamation is because yeah that feels way more new york than pacific northwest and like one thing rich i'm like sort of sad that you didn't watch this james brown is used in the short like they use a james brown song 
and oh, it's cool. so well placed and like we'll talk a little bit more about the music of this show uh but genuinely i was like oh yeah they used budget to get a song for this to make sure that it had every single chance of doing really really well and people thinking like Nickelodeon oh yeah i'm was taking this. some real big swings back then that's like i mean having this be the one short before like that that's primetime stuff like doing it right before the harriet the spy movie which you said max that was their first ever like feature film mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that's that's massive real estate they they could have done anything that was popular already at that time like they could have done doug rugrats that kind of thing they chose a new and they went yeah they went with an unseen yeah. unproven concept which shows yeah. what kind of confidence they had in this and in craig bartlett that's awesome well- Let's talk a little bit more and let's dive in on the idea of this main show um, and the two episodes that we saw uh, before we even get into one of these segments. Right. Let's talk about the theme music, the intro to the show, because I think it's just so iconic for our generation. The idea of that, hey, Arnold being shouted and meeting all of these characters and um, watching Arnold go throughout this small city um, or big city. I, you know, I've never been to Hillwood, Washington, so I couldn't say. <laughs> no uh, one has. <laughs> yeah, I would, say, yeah I, would, I would dare to say you're not the only one. But like, what were y'all's thoughts about this intro? Because instantly I feel like I'm encompassed by a warm nostalgia blanket and I'm slightly biased of being like, oh yeah, this, this fucking slaps. Yeah, I mean, there is... It's so simple until the absolute end of the theme song. The only two words that are spoken are Hey and Arnold. Like it's, it's like you get the entire crew coming. Also, God bless uh, these poor writers who had to have the names Harold, Gerald and Harold and Arnold in one like script together are like, what a disaster the waiting to happen on that one. But uh, you get the entire crew that's going to show up. Basically it's all the kids in the neighborhood. It has like kind of a it doesn't feel modern, like even in the time, it doesn't feel modern. Like you could have told me that this this show took place in the 60s or 70s and I would have totally believed you there. Nothing really felt like of the moment except for the music, I would say. And I mean, it's just so it's so simple. It's so jazzy like you it's it's like a very relaxing feeling compared to what could have come on before it which is something like Ren and Stimpy which would have been alarming and uh like way overstimulating this is like this this is for the ADHD kids this is when you get to calm them down a little bit before bed and i do want to <laughs> just give a little uh, a shout out here to the composer of the score uh Jim Lang and for those who are so inclined, it's actually a really in-depth interview that Jim Lang did with The Ringer two years ago, all about uh, composing the theme music and his history and like working as a touring musician for uh, like big uh, rock stars and pop stars over the years as well. Um, definitely not as high profile as say like Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo doing the Rugrats music. But yeah, like That's Jim so Lang, safe. absolutely up there in the like animated theme music like pantheon yeah 100 percent um well we get this amazing intro and let's talk about our first of two segments uh downtown as fruits and i think just (laughs) setting the stage one of the nice things that is used as a consistent go-to or trope of these hey arnold episodes is um seeing hey seeing arnold dream uh daydreaming is a very big thing and what fourth grader isn't daydreaming, right? But in this instance, we start off surfing, but then find ourselves in the school play slash musical. Surfing uh, amongst dinosaurs, mind you. Not just surfing, not just hanging tent. <laughs> I also love how it's very visible that you you can tell from the pilot that you're not going to get introduced to any other classes that go to the school. It's just like the eight kids in this one class. And they're gonna be represent. They're gonna be representing the entire school, the entire show. They're like, we're not drawing any new kids. <laughs> you, can, you can double our contract if we're drawing any new kids. We blew. We blew the budget on jazz, baby. We can only animate eight kids. <laughs> so I, I have to ask Max. Um, we are going into this school play. There is my no discussion te- of my discussion of youth theater. Yes, youth theater. Not only youth theater, I'm mute but my microphone right now. <laughs> but did we believe? Did Helga? maybe bring up some feelings 
of someone who was slightly too impassioned about the school play or school musical at fourth grade. I don't understand this trope in TV of the fourth graders being these like bossy little tyrant directors. It's like you think about uh, like Lucy directing the pageant in like Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, Helga Pataki directing the food group play in the Hey Arnold pilot. Like, no, there, there is a chaperone or a music teacher who's doing this. I have never once seen a fourth grader given the reins to direct the school play. This is absolute blasphemy. Um, wh what I related to the most is there's a kid who we never talked to again named Iggy, and they ask Iggy what his motivation is, and he says, yes. I don't know, I'm a utensil, which feels <laughs> very uh, coded to Jeff Goldblum in his first film role in a certain Oscar Best Picture winner that I'm not going to say the name of because we don't like the director, uh, where he's, he just picks up a phone and says, I forgot my mantra, which is incredibly L.A. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, I, there was also a great joke where they were like, um, I want to hear what's in your soul. And someone says, does fruit have souls? <laughs> and, like, that, just that joke alone. The fish section does. In that uh, instance, uh, oh. Yeah. oh, I got him. Oh. Fuck. <laughs> Fucking A. Um, the musical numbers do slap in this, though. Like, I'm thinking oh, yeah. about... I'm thinking about like later on when we get like the meats singing together, like mm -hmm. the hams and the steaks are all singing together. Uh, the meat song is a real honest and true classic Broadway number. Very Zigfield Follies. I'm a huge fan it. of that. The fruits <laughs> number at the end to bring it all home. Was a I, delight. Didn't, I didn't know how we were going to get to this, but uh, really just an iconic 11 o'clock number. Uh, really powerful, really emoting. And in order to get there, uh, there has to be some form of issue. Um, and in this instance, it is Arnold and Gerald are so upset that they have to be in these delightful fruit costumes. First of all, I, I costuming, I will say amazing costuming. I think we could have picked a better fruit to fit Arnold's head because I did love the animators slight details. And you see the outline of his head poking out of the sides of the banana which is just <laughs> wonderful. But no, I can't I think of a better fruit because of when you think of the shape of the banana and you compare it to the shape of Arnold's head, th they don't go together. And, and that, and that's the joke. <laughs> and that's the joke. Uh, but I think that this Those banana shoes do rip though. The episode does do a great job of being like, Hey, we've all had that thought of like, I don't want to do this thing. What if I bailed? Right. Or like some version of hooky. And we get to see via these. One of the things I think the show does such a great job of is it does these delightful montages that are very fast paced, but tell a great story in about 30 seconds maximum. Yeah. Um, and this episode does that. We see them, uh, you know, going about new, excuse me, going about not New York, and, <laughs> and, you know, running into some money because who would have thought that there'd be two groups of people dressed as a strawberry and a banana? Dude, absolutely dying at what that mob plan was of just like, <laughs> hey, we're going to give this to you in a pretty public location. Make sure to wear the most garish fruit costumes of all time. <laughs> like, genuinely, I think this episode does set such a good tone of, you know, the more that we look back at animation, there are some shows that we watch and I'm like, oh, very clearly, not for the three 30-year-olds uh, <laughs> and rich uh, that, are <laughs> <laughs> that are watching this. But this is one of those ones where I'm just watching this first segment and I'm like, I am utterly delighted by everything that's going on here and there's so many great jokes something that i don't think i would have picked up on how specific it is to city living when i was a kid that i now appreciate as an adult is when arnold and gerald are leaving the house to get to the bus and we just see a quick throwaway line of a man right down the street and screams i'm monkey man which to <laughs> anyone who spent any time living in L.A., New York, Chicago, yeah. Eddie. We all know, you know that guy. Yeah, you, you know we that all guy. We know Monkey Man. 
And and your monkey man might be the Silver Lake Walker. It might be Hollywood Jesus. It might be any number yeah. of these kinds of people. But you know these people. You know them. Actually, man. I will say, like, I cannot think of another show that is so based in the reality of living in New York, LA, or Chicago. Like, this is like every other city or every other show. I'm trying to think of like shows like Recess or um rugrats or whatever it is like it feels like they're all based in shows where you don't have to necessarily deal with the city itself but this kind of normalizes city behavior mm-hmm. or like just the things that like a kid would have to deal with growing up in new york anyways it's just like yeah you're gonna deal with monkey man you're gonna deal with taking the wrong bus and ending up in a place where you can't call your parents to, dra- to, uh, would to you, you say home. that hilldale is the fifth character <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, but there's like gosh. 10 characters. Um, <laughs> just just some more about this segment before we move on to the next one. Like, I, I'm curious from the two of you, were there any jokes that really hit for you that you were like, I need to shine a slight, a small light on this just before we move on to our next segment? I love the specifics of the businesses here. I would 100% hang out at both Gino's Suvaki Shack and yep. Ernie's Pool Hall. Like, that 100%. sounds like a really good night to be, like, sitting on the curb outside of Gino's, eating a Suvaki, and then going shooting pool down at Ernie's, getting some soda pops for the entire bar. That's a really good Friday night to me. I think a really bad Friday night would be ended up at Zamboni Jones. I think that was, Zamboni <laughs> Jones, a psychic palace. Yeah, the, I, I really, I really love that character. Like <clears throat> everyone, I feel like even it, it seemed like that was a difficult concept for kids, but maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it wasn't. Like I guess anyone can really figure out what a what a psychic is, or like kids around that age can figure out what a psychic is. But it's so funny that he's so bad at it. It's like it, it is so ham fisted. He looks like DJ Khaled. I'm. <laughs> Are you convinced that's DJ Khaled? That's DJ Khaled. Because you know why? Uh, we don't. We don't get just one part of this pilot. We get another one. Oh, oh. my god! <laughs> uh, and I will say the like the small joke while Arnold and Gerald are going back to the school to eventually perform of. The people of downtown are just so nice. Was just like genuinely just a delightful, like mm-hmm. great little throwaway. But for like the adults in the room, great joke. But it's also whole. it pays off with the callback because, you know, when they eventually when we get the morals, when we get like, you know, the morality that we need to see where they realize the error of their ways and all the things that they've gotten into trouble with because they ditched the play they give the rest of their giant bag of money to a family on the side of the road with car trouble. And we get that same line, that same callback of people downtown are so nice. So it's like that thing pays off in the end. Um, I think also before we move on, it's the first glimpse of the Helga relationship to Arnold Mm, and the two sides of it. The aggressive facing in public and the secret yearning and love this is a show that is so much about people's relationships with each other, with their environment. And I think that's why we're sitting here at like the age and life experience we have now. And we're like so fond about it in a way that maybe we're not for certain other animated series we've covered on this podcast, because it's like, this is just a show about life and about connections and about how we make those things and about Slovakia and things that we all really enjoy. Yeah. I think, I think something that really stuck out to me um, with Hey Arnold so far is that Hey Arnold, or I'm sorry, the character of Arnold does not feel like a kid show protagonist. He has like the moral compass and stuff like that, but it's still pretty easily swayed to do other stuff. Um, you don't really get to know what his wants are yet. And I still, I, I mean, I'm curious to think, I'm curious uh, what both of you think. Like, what, what does the character of Arnold mean to both of you as the centerpiece of this show right now? Because it doesn't seem like it's very, it's a super well developed character, and things are like the story is exciting. The story is happening around them. They could have had a really dope night if they didn't go show, go shoot pool. They could have ended up with like what's clearly like several hundred thousand of dollars <laughs> in, in a in a paper bag and uh 
and yeah i'm just like you know he's daydreaming he kind of has like a little bit of a deep voice he doesn't care too much it seems and yeah i'm just curious what you think yeah and i i would say for me looking at this character through the eyes of like you know we review tv i i can't help but think of arnold as a clear protagonist of a sitcom right mm-hmm. uh the protagonist of a sitcom might not be the funniest of characters they are put into the situations by the cast of characters that surround them in this instance gerald put him into this situation right gerald was the voice inside of his head of someone who does not have strong opinions being like yeah we're skipping like uh, fuck off loser we're not going to the school play like (laughs) and then in that same situation and we'll make segue to the next episode arnold is the tag along to seeing the life of eugene horowitz which is one of the most delightful like 10 minute little segments that we'll talk about in a little sec in a second he's the one who is uh i referred to as the head shape as a bong (laughs) see it's interesting you say that because it reminds me of an open can from like popeye like of spinach and the hair is the spinach um max what about you before we dive into what shape do you think his head is (laughs) i i think that there's a couple of examples that nickelodeon has where they just really thrive in characters who are finding themselves like people who are good not great at things Mm -hmm. and they're discovering the world and we get to see it through their eyes um, as told by Ginger is another really good example of this concept. And it, it's, it's refreshing that it's not the person who's just incredible at everything. Arnold is not some like whiz bang. What can't like, what can't he do? Mm-hmm. He's, he's very real and he's aspirational and he's like obtainable too. And yeah. he has really cool things. You know, he has, you know, the bedroom that we we haven't even got to yet. You know, he has this kind of cool downtown demeanor about him, but there's nothing that doesn't feel like you can't be Arnold Shortman. And I think for kids watching this, that's a really good feeling. Yeah. It's, it's good to have, like, I would not be upset as a parent if I had a kid who was like, Oh, I want to be like Arnold. And it's like, you know what? Great. There are so many worse things to be. If I had a kid who was like, I want to be like Morty, I'd be like, nope, we're done. <laughs> we're sending you to boarding school. Like can right we, can now. we settle a, a quick also Arnold lore debate before we get into sure. our second segment? A hot topic amongst people our age is insisting that Arnold wears a kilt. And I remember hearing that for so long. They're like, oh yeah, Arnold wears a kilt. And I see, I, I see him looking down, I'm like, He's just a 90s kid. He's got very light blue, not quite acid wash, but very light blue jeans uh-huh. with an oversized flannel with a crew neck sweatshirt over it. Like Arnold is not some Tom oh, Brown was... male skirt wearing so, yeah. person. He's just a dude who's going to tell you about like Dave Matthews band. I think Rich and I are on the same page and Rich, I'm going to see if you're correct. If we yeah. are, I think Arnold is wearing a sweatshirt that is tied Around his on waist. his front, yeah. uh, around his waist, in one he's of the going most tuck at mom with it. Yeah, I think he is very much going like the coolest of ninety kids, where it's yeah. I'm slightly too warm with this sweatshirt, but I want to have it around. But you can see the collar up on his neck from the flannel. That's true. Flat. Maybe he's just really good. Maybe that fit is so goddamn stylized and so on point. That he has a collared shirt that yeah, is matching. he just looks like everyone who like worked at like an indie radio station at their college at the 90s. <laughs> oh, okay. I actually could not see that the collar was the same pattern as the bottom of it, too. That I didn't I didn't realize that until But you've heard that, right? right? Like yeah, no, I think Arnold wears a kilt. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. And I think we can definitively say Arnold oh. does not wear a kilt, but they did Oh, why'd you, why'd you all, Rich? Why'd you all? That's so funny. Someone did a steal this look thing for Arnold. (laughs) I'm putting it in the chat. Can you tell us how to steal the look? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking at a, like a nice, like J crew, like light blue sweater. I'm looking at some, like probably AG denim, like acid wash jeans. So that's oh, probably, that's, already, that's pretty great, Rich. I'll put the, lo- yeah, already I'll put the clip up $500 for this yeah. outfit. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm seeing some Gucci loafers down at the bottom here. Oh the, God. Yeah, no, it's no, 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 no. <laughs> um, 
Well, let's talk about our next segment, um, which is <laughs> Eugene's bike. And once again, we start off with daydreaming. Um, and I think that this also gives us like shades of Arnold's personality of like the daydreams we are seeing are not just like normal, boring fantasies or like every day. These are adventuring. These are him going out and about doing something that might be even dangerous. Um, with that being said, though, it is like, I think I, Max, was it show off you know, or show and tell? Or was it just there's a bunch of kids who have weird hobbies or no, things I that they like showing off? No, I think kids are just off. fucking gross is the problem yeah. of this episode. Kids are fucking disgusting. We get we get a kid showing off his pet worms in a box they brought to school. A girl shows off her scabs and they're all gross and pussy. One we is get, very much shaped like Texas, I gotta we get, say. Uh, we get the kid Brady, the heavy mouth breeder, who just kind of has like candy covered in lint from his pocket. Uh, except one of the nerds today has something cool and not gross. Yeah, and I, I genuinely love this intro because there are, I think we both can say, those kids who you go to school with who collect weird things or just were genuinely gross human beings that even as a child you were like, oh yeah, you're you're gross and I don't want to deal with I you. I like that Hey Arnold commits to one term, like one term though, for all of these kids, and they're they're all dorks. <laughs> yeah, no matter what. Um This is not we, a school full of geeks or nerds or dweebs. This is a school full of dorks. And we never forget it. We get this introduction to we've talked a little bit about Eugene already. Um, you know, Put your thoughts in the comments about what his head is shaped like. You, you uh, may have seen him uh, last dressed as a ham in our school musical. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but in this instance, Eugene is... We'll have a character arc. Eugene's coming in on this bitchin' bike uh, that he got for Flag Day, which is... Hell yeah, dude. Who gives gifts for Flag Day? It's but Flag Day and my family exchanges gifts is such a funny specific line. Yeah, that's that's definitely that's a top that's a top line for this entire uh, pilot. But there's some like small details in the comedy of this, right? As soon as he gets off the bike, one of the frames of his sunglasses just falls out to just give mm-hmm. the the concept of this character. There's nothing smooth about them other than they happen to own a really nice bike. And then we get the great line of every dork has his day. And then Eugene does the number one thing you're not supposed to do when you own a bike in a big city. And as a person who used to drive a bike or ride a bike around uh, Chicago every single day, you gotta do the double check with the lock. You gotta. If that lock is not stable, you are either, one, you do not have a bike, or two, that bike is going to be very, very poorly uh, conditioned after you return from wherever you were. Like, oh god! Watching, I I guess my question for each of you: one, has there ever been something that you have been as passionate about as Eugene, as he was about getting this bitch and bike? I feel like everything that I got in as a child, that was like slightly nicer than my expectations, I treated like this. It was like a new baseball glove, my guitar, uh, probably end of list. I, I really like <laughs> I really love I, I I loved it. I cherished it. I like didn't let people look at it. It was like I, I, I was not flaunting it by any means. It was like people are going to watch me like or no one's going to watch me use this thing that I would guard with my entire life. I distinctly remember getting a like one specific pair of basketball shoes that I wanted so bad when I was probably about this age and I wanted more than anything else, the Adidas Tracy Patrick McGrady T Mac Two. Oh nice hell ones. yeah, these are great! <laughs> and listen, if you're on the YouTube, look at me, look at me. I did not need a pair of T Mac Twos. <laughs> my my ankles oh, needed no support. Your game. My ankles needed no support <laughs> on the court. I was not going to turn into Toronto Raptor and Orlando Magic superstar Tracy McGrady. But I like I felt like a king when I had these on and I was averaging like three points on a good day out there, but I felt <laughs> like the hottest player on the court when I strapped on the T-back twos. And that's like, I know how Eugene 
feels with that bike, that power Matt. and that confidence that comes from it. So Max is out here in the, uh, the Derek Rose knee braces. <laughs> so I want you guys to remember that feeling of joy because then just imagine it getting torn to pieces in front of you because that is what happens with Arnold accidentally knocking over the bike, a street, the bike. This is where the comicalness of a cartoon and the bike flying like 30 feet after being nudged by a few <laughs> other bikes and then getting destroyed by a street sweeper. And I love that there were elements and inspirations that I saw in the an animation of we get this Eugene scream. And did you all notice that they did the Charlie Brown animation of like the nose up and the scream in the air? And it was just. Yeah, just the it, mouth it, as wide as the just entire the mouth. Screen. Yeah, and I was just like, you know what? Great, what a great like small nod. But what did you all think about seeing Arnold? First, we get the introduction to Arnold's room that we have not seen. What do we think of Arnold's bitchin' pad? And I'm going to use bitchin' oh, five more times in this episode. All right. Arnold knows how to fucking weld. That dude is going to kill it on Instagram. Who gave a 10-year-old a circular saw? No, no, no. This this show definitely <laughs> takes place in, uh, actually, honestly, either Seattle, Portland, or Brooklyn, because this 10-year-old is welding and circular sawing. Yeah. Uh, this is the second, I mean, bitch and pat aside, this is the second example of this show taking a line that we hear at the very beginning of an episode and then kind of changing the meaning behind it and repeating it mm -hmm. later on. And we get that with every dork has its day. The first time we hear it, it's Gerald kind of, I don't want to say poking fun at Eugene, but it's very like tongue in cheek. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the second time we hear it, it's Arnold making a pledge that he's going to give Eugene the best day ever. And I, I yeah. love how we see this twice now. I don't remember if this is a thing they do throughout the run of the show, but it's been it's been a really cool reoccurring thing in this pilot. It's just good writing. I think I think honestly, like it, it just is something kids understand repetition and kids understand like differences in context. And I think this is just like a really smart writing choice. And repetition is obviously I mean, it's something that you're really going to remember. It's something that you can very easily have a through line for for your pilot. Repetition is amazing. Yeah, and I think that it's <laughs> it's such a fun <laughs> thing to have as how is this going to change? What is going to be the line? If this is something that consistently happens, I don't think children are going to be seeking it out, being like, that's the line, or pointing it out. But for, once again, the adults who might be watching Nickelodeon with their kids, that is a nice, touching thing. And the show does genuinely have great yeah. morals as a whole. Let's dive a little bit more into this segment, though, because can we can we talk about what insurance Eugene has? <laughs> the, the, best, on, the best insurance is on the platinum black card Empire Blue oh, Cross. Plan. Rich, he hits his <laughs> maximum spend within two days of the year. Yeah. And then the rest, the out-of-pocket maximum, not even a thought for him Ooh. because he's getting Ooh. that done right away. His family is so <laughs> pumped to have him around. Uh, but, like, I love seeing these constant tragedies almost stack up <laughs> in, you know, Arnold gives this bike and really wants to, is has this empathy for Eugene, but then immediately the bike falls apart. Arnold goes to the hospital to go and help Eugene out and then immediately screws that up. Yeah. Can we talk about also that uh, Arnold has a pet pig? Um, <laughs> that was not, that was really softballed in there. They were just like, oh yeah. Abner, don't, don't, pig, don't duh. worry about it. Don't think don't about it too much. <laughs> don't, don't think about that too much. That's not a big part of this pilot. Um, <laughs> but then I, I do genuinely love the idea of Arnold Looking back, we get this, once again, one of these great montages of Arnold believing that he's the reason that bad things happen to Eugene. Mm -hmm. And then... And he's not wrong. <laughs> not entirely. But then throughout, <laughs> we get this juxtaposition of Arnold saying, I'm going to make sure you have the best day ever where nothing bad happens to you. Which is not the case. Like, but at the same time, we see that Eugene seems to fall into these issues on his own of his own creation. Like we go to the amazingly named 
uh, Quigley Field and mm-hmm. then see this home run hit Eugene in the face. And like, yeah, yeah. just you saw that one coming. Literally. Yeah. And he didn't. It's the series of events, like the jokes that are thrown in with like Spuds McGee and all of that stuff. It's great. And it just reminds me of like, yeah, this show was so well put together of not trying to show us everything and tell us everything, but implying a lot with these small little devices. It also knows when to like rest the silliness to get back to the morals at hand. And the way this ends is really touching where it's like Arnold feels so bad for everything that happened and like befell Eugene this day. And Eugene's like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the day in the life for you. Like, this is the best day ever. I got to do all these things. Like, yes, I choked out a hot dog and I fell in the river, but I also got to swim in the river because of you. And like, he, yeah. despite all of his suffering, sees like a glass half full optimism. And so when we get to like the morality, like the thing of each Harold episode, we then get to do one final button of Eugene getting his hand caught in the bus door. And it's like, you get that final button because you give it time and like enough breathing room mm-hmm. to get back to like the real thing to get one final good joke in. You did also need to establish that Arnold was not the reason behind ever all of these horrible things happening. And that was like, okay, this guy is just extremely accident prone. I loved the choice of them doing this day out as a series of photographs. That was like, that was such a great choice for the storytelling of it. I thought it was like, oh, I'm captivated. There's nothing that I'm going to miss here. I want to look at every single frame. It felt like I was watching like a comic book of just like a series of unfortunate events. But it was, I I really love that artistic choice there. I know we're like really, uh, we're really geeked on this one. We're really geeked on this pilot. Well, that is the end of this pilot. Um, And we talked about a lot of things that we love, but were there any things that you love that maybe we didn't talk about when discussing this pilot? For me... Hey Arnold, it's a lot of things. It's a it's a show about human connection. It's a show about coming of age and learning how to exist in the world. Um, but above all else, it's a show about eating delicious street meats. <laughs> it's it's a show about slamming suvakis on a curb and eating hot dogs in the yeah. park with your boys. And uh, they, never, they never made it look better. Never forget the takeaway from Hey Arnold, which is like, go get his takeaway. Is get takeaway. It's go. It's go. slam some glizzies with your boys. <laughs> Rich, what about you? Yeah, I, I just really enjoyed so many different artistic choices that they made here. I know I just mentioned the the photographs and everything, but what a what a beautifully done pilot. I they set up. It's super rare that you get a inclination to watch a second episode that's not just like, ooh, like as a kid uh, watching cartoons, I should say, you don't get a, a normally get a second of, oh, I really want to watch this particular story between these two characters develop or like, oh, what's going to happen between Helga and Arnold? Uh, like, you know, is uh, like, are is everyone going to stay friends? Like they they secondhand reference like bullying and stuff like that with with Harold but they don't really get to see much of it um you you actually do get a little bit of like a push toward a second episode which I I thought was really nice that like is such a rarity in this in that medium yeah for me just a genuine delight I think that this is I've talked about all this we're about 50 minutes into recording right now on a 20 minute TV show. I think that says a lot about the things we love. Um, I'll kick us off, though, on wait a minute <laughs> moments. Um, what you got to take, buddy? So this is me not growing up in a city, but if Arnold is potentially the youngest a fourth grader could be is nine years old, depending on where you live, maybe eight, depending on uh, your state's cutoff dates. Um, that's really young to be putting a kid on a bus by themselves with another eight-year-old in my mind in my mind uh and you know what i'll represent the suburbs and say yeah that's scary that's scary for a little (laughs) eight-year-old to go on a bus by themselves but i also recognize that i am not a city boy uh i was not raised in the city 
it is hard to combat the stranger danger feeling for that a lot of us had to grow up with, unfortunately, because all of a sudden the news became 24 hour cycles that they had to fill with one kid getting kidnapped in like some other state that you've never been to and that kind of stuff. Uh, it's like that is that is a normal thing. I think kids should be exposed to public transportation, being exposed to adults that are not necessarily your parents uh, out in the out in the world and stuff like yeah, that. Just but some, yeah, just some some make believe think... like Fox News paranoia in a town that's not even real. Like I don't know Hillwood, Washington, or something. <laughs> Um, what about you two? Any wait a minute moments for you on this pilot? Kids suffer a lot on this show. Like, kids get punched in the face, they get their glasses broken, they end up in the hospital and in, like, slings and casts. Like, kid, look, look, I know, I know kids are clumsy. Everyone mm -hmm. had a cast or a broken bone at some point in their youth. These kids are going through it. <laughs> Yeah, Eugene has the fortitude of, like, a prize fighter. He has been through an awful lot, and he is still absolutely kicking on that day. Other, I don't really have any uh, wait-a-minute moments from this and, show. I feel like everything's so solid. And I will add, in the uh, pilot episode that, or the unaired pilot slash the pilot that was shown before Harriet the Spy, if a bully tells you to fight someone, don't do it. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, and I'm going to leave it at that. We do have an in-flight question, um, and it's a super simple one. With Arnold's name being Arnold Shortman, what would be your on-point name? Oh. Oh, Jimmy Thick. <laughs> <laughs> and to you? Oh, my God. Max, what about you? Oh, because I, I feel like actually yours lines up pretty well as a whole. Oh, what, you, you mean uh, my day being singer and I spent my entire year doing musicals in my youth? Um, I, I hate to break this to you, but uh, based on my frame, I actually am uh, the surname Slenderman. <laughs> I am <laughs> I am the nightmare-inducing Slenderman. I'm, I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> and I am uh, Jeffrey Indoor Kid. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Lasky. <laughs> Jeffrey, go outside, please. Um, uh but not thank spelled you so, the way you think. Yeah, no, there is an umlau in there somewhere if you look hard enough. Uh, but thank you so much for that in-flight question. Let's talk a little bit about the history of this show. There were five seasons of this show, 100 episodes made up of 185 of the different segments that we were speaking about. There were also two movies, uh, one that debuted in the early 2000s and one that was a little bit more recent in 2017 as a continuation of the ending of this show. Uh, Interesting. The show officially ended in 2004, uh, just for folks to know. The show was... They came back 13 years later yeah, for, for a, a movie. movie. That's awesome. Uh, the show was also shown in the UK and Canada. And fun fact, this show is actually banned in Kenya uh, for quote-unquote glorifying homosexual behavior. Fuck off! What? Uh, so... Oh, they got gay Arnold? <laughs> <laughs> um, there was supposed to be a spinoff of the show uh, that was based off of Helga uh, and her family. It got it didn't pick up enough traction. Uh, you can find every season of the show on DVD. After the movie came out in 2017, there were talks about rebooting it for a Gen Z audience. Ugh. But uh, it mm -hmm. did not pick up enough steam because they didn't think they'd be able to hold the attention of Gen Z, which is wild to read in an article. Um, and then, Rich, for you specifically, you can actually find a vinyl record of all of the music from Hey Arnold. It came oh, out sick. in 2020. Dude. And you can fill, still find some on eBay oh, as well man. as Amazon. You, you, me, and Zamboni Jones are sparking one up, and we're going to listen to some jazz, baby. <laughs> yeah, dude. We, that's That actually riffs because I have a very vivid, uh, vivid memory of the episode that they did where the entirety uh, is Carmen, the musical Carmen. I'm sorry, the opera Carmen, not the musical. God, goddamn. Fuck no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uncultured swine. Yeah, clearly. The, but yeah, that was like uh, that was a that was a moment in culture that having the the Hey Arnold Carmen episode. Um. Well, yeah, that's the history of this show. Rich, it is time for your game of the week. 
Yeah. Hey, this one's called Hey Arnold. Uh, these are all trivia questions about people with the name Arnold. <laughs> uh, these are, uh, I'm doing three questions so you guys can both jump in on them. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has won all except for what? An Emmy, Mr. Universe, a Golden Globe, a Grammy, Mr. Olympia. Max, I'm going to I'm going to let you try this one out first. Okay. I I'm going to say it is an Emmy. And Jeff, I am going to say it's Mr. Universe. Nope, he has won uh all but a Grammy. Oh, okay. He is not <laughs> I would love to hear the for, audio for some that he does. for some reason <laughs> I thought it was a different I was confusing Mr. Olympia and Mr. Universe as two separate types <laughs> of events. Not having he to do actually with won a Golden Globe like fairly close to when he was also Mr. Olympia. So that, that was like it, like a shocking, like like bizarre egot uh, conversation. I, I'm not going to talk about the movie, <laughs> but he plays a Greek god in a movie, and I highly recommend it because he doesn't know how sure to speak does. English in that movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Uh, um, what's next? All right. Second second question. Arnold Palmer was dubbed the king for his domination of golf in the 60s and 70s. So they had two people that were nicknamed the king back then. Um, what major did he never win? Was it the Masters, the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, or the British Open? He won all the other three. Uh, um, I'm going to say U.S. Open. Which, can you repeat those because my brain is not yeah. working? The Masters, the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, and the British Open. I'm going to say the PGA Championship. He came in th in second three times at the PGA Championship, but never won it. That is a bummer. All right. Must it, here's here's being the Buffalo Bills of golf sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did still win the Masters I, multiple times. I, I understand the US that, Open but times in the you know, <laughs> you know, he looked at that uh, that trophy case and was like, "Motherfucker!" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it was like right next to his half and half laminated iced tea in the trophy case. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, here's here's a groaner. Tom Arnold oh, no. has, led, has led a long and fruitful comedy and acting career. What of the what of this following list has not been part of his journey? Performed as a prop comic, became the Arby's oven mitt mascot, the host of a show searching for incriminating Donald Trump videos, was the wedding planner for the world for the quote unquote the biggest redneck wedding ever, won the Grand Prix of Long Beach Pro Am. Or was part of the Jerry Falwell Jr. cuckolding scandal <laughs> that involved the Jerry Falwell's pool boy fucking his wife? Thank you for describing what cuckolding means, Rich. Which, really, yeah, yeah. Really. well, you know, for for all of our Rich, cuckolding I, I, novices I, I here know in the box. Tom Arnold has had a long and illustrious career, but I really wish you could have <laughs> yeah, narrowed down the these options. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> no, I just want I just want to give you a rundown what? of all the shit that Tom. I'm Arnold going does. to say Long Beach Pro Am. I, I'm going to say Rich is fucking with us and he's done all of these things, but if I have to pick one... I was really debating on doing this. I, if I have to pick one, I think it's the Donald Trump uh, show that you're talking about. What network's putting that live? <laughs> Max is right. <laughs> he, he no. He's done everything but win the Grand Prix of Long Beach Pro-Am. Uh, past winners include uh, the... Uh, oh, God. Um, Jason Bateman and uh, one uh, the guy that played the Carlton on uh uh what's it called on oh god fresh prince? the fresh prince i'm i'm yeah, just going to let you multiple times he's a great race car driver <laughs> anyways uh yes he has performed as a prop comic he was the arby's oven mitt for 4 years uh he was the host of a show searching for incriminating donald trump videos which did not get renewed by viceland they were they did 8 episodes of searching for the pp tape uh, he was the wedding planner for country music televisions, the biggest redneck wedding ever. And uh, he <laughs> got a phone call with Michael, uh, Michael Cohen, Trump's fixer. And that, that phone call led to the discovery of the Jerry Falwell Jr. Scandal. <laughs> and that Tom Arnold was part of. So that. this is your first time listening to TVPL. Be sure to hit that subscribe <laughs> button. We're next week. We'll be talking about vice lands, the search for the PP tape. <laughs> Uh, and Rich, the actor who you are thinking of, aka you're in trouble, is Alfonso Ribeiro. 
thank you so much. Which you are so welcome. Excellent race car driver. Um, amazing race car driver. Um, well, Rich, thank you for that game of the week. Um, yeah, our flight is coming. <laughs> some some weird research. Our flight is coming to a land. <laughs> um, fortunately, unfortunately, who the fuck knows? Uh, but I have two questions for each of you. Based off of the pilot that we all watched of Hey Arnold, would you continue watching this show? And, you know, there I even discussed them. There have been talks about rebooting this show, bringing it back mm-hmm. uh, for a new age and a new audience. Gen Z might not be it, but what about Gen Alpha? Um, so I'd like to hear <laughs> from the two of you. What are your thoughts? For me, this is an easy keep watching. I think this pilot sets up its world, its tone, its relationships, its dynamics, like what you're going to get out of it so well. It feels so fleshed out for being, you know, the first 10 minute short. And then these first like two segments, um, I found it really enjoyable. This, this kills me to say, but because it is such a grounded, low stimulus show, I don't see it succeeding today. I don't think it's the type of show that would resonate with the audience that it's targeted at. And I I think that like, I I think that Hey Arnold totally could cover coming of age stories in the 21st century in a really effective manner. And I think it could do a great job with that, but I don't think it's tone and it's like speed and it's lack of like flash is what the YouTube generation wants and so for that reason i have to say no to a reboot rich what about you yeah i also um i was shocked uh probably more so than i would be with any other show from this era um i was shocked at how much i enjoyed it um like it is very much like my vibe aesthetically like i i do uh i do really enjoy the artistic uh direction of it I I would absolutely watch it again. I really here's here's my optimistic take. I think this next generation that comes is going to have a rebellious streak where they're less online. I think they are going to see what has happened to Gen Z, what has happened to millennials and rebel against the I'm going to just be a target for an algorithm kind of thing. And if they can re if they can reboot the show in something that is not time specific, I don't want this to be like, oh, this is taking place in 2029 or whatever. I want this to be like something kind of timeless, uh, you know, because that's what Hey Arnold felt like in the 90s, too. It did not feel like 1996. I would love to see that can come back. But if they can't do that, I just don't even bother. It's It's not going to be a good show. Yeah. And for myself. I think it's three yeses about watching this based off of the pilot. It's Mm -hmm. so good. Um, You can find it a lot of different places if you're looking for it and you want to take a step back into the 90s. Um, Remaking it. I've been thinking about this all day, in all honesty. Um, Because, you know, in in my brain of brains, there's a small part of me that like Arnold daydreams about being a producer at a studio and green lighting mm-hmm. something or not green lighting something. Um, and I think that rich, I'm very similar in your mind of if they can keep it timeless, if mm-hmm. you can watch this and visualize the child, right. And not have to worry about, Oh, well we don't have cell phones or iPhones or uh, we don't have Apple watches or anything like that great you know yeah um and no one wants to see people looking at their phone on tv unless it's like a like a, a boomer uh commentary on millennials or yeah Z. no no Max, Max just took out his phone <laughs> like like there was a um as it is the holiday season coming up i watched a holiday movie last night that is very beloved and there was it was made in the 80s and guess what good writing means that you don't question when there's not technology that you're currently around yeah um so fucking write something good and yeah you can have a arnold back uh with that being said jeff Curvis with some vague threats at the end of the podcast yeah w- listen up if you're thinking about bringing hey arnold back and i see a fucking cell phone i will find you 
Uh, for those of you keeping score at home, he has now threatened Ryan Seacrest and the creators of Hey Arnold. No, He's got no, a circular no. saw and a blowtorch. He's gone bad. <laughs> <laughs> Who gave him those things? Uh, with that all being said, our flight has come to a land. Um, Max, uh, Rich, where can folks find you if they're looking for you? You can find me down at Ernie's Pool Hall. I've never played before, but I'll try. I don't know. $50? That seems fair. Uh, <laughs> And you can find me on all things social media at Maxwell Singh. Rich, what about you? You can find me. You can find me watching my hippie movies, uh, and also on Instagram at Damn That's Rich. You can find original sketch comedy by Max and me at Dad Wagon Comedy on TikTok. Uh, you and you can find me, Jeff. Uh, stay inside, kid. Uh, <laughs> inside, uh, but you can find oh, me. Jeff is stupid. Yeah. You can also find me on social media at Run Jeff Run. You can find the TV Pilots license anywhere you listen to Pilot. Uh, excuse me, anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, as well as you can watch us on YouTube, as well as now Spotify. If you have questions about the show or for our next episode, shoot us an email at tvpilotslicense at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for sneak previews of some of our upcoming episodes. And be sure to like, comment, subscribe wherever you are following us because it helps us out a little bit when you do. Um, With that being said, the plane is landed and the seatbelt sign off. We look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then, eat street street meat (laughs) and hey Arnold! Hey Arnold!